Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. If there's blessing in the sharing of the gospel, why are spiritual conversations seemingly a struggle for so many? Research tells us that fewer people than in years past are bringing the good news to others who need to hear it. Why are so many reluctant to share their faith? And what's different about those who share with boldness and ease? Find out on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. Lutheran Hour Ministries recently partnered with leading Christian researchers, the Barna Research Group, to learn the ins and outs the nooks and crannies of why people are or are not sharing the gospel with others. Our guest today wrote the book, The Reluctant Witness, that intermingles the data from this study with personal stories and application. The author, Don Everts, joins us today. He's a colleague and friend, and I'm always so excited to sit down and have a conversation with him. Don, it's great to have you here with us today. Good to be with you. Well, I want to hear about the research, but first, I think it should be noted that this is not your first book that you've written. That, that's right. That's right. Part of my calling in life is scribbling and scratching on paper, and, and God's blessed me to be able to do that. It's been fun. Well, I remember the day that you first laid eyes on The Reluctant Witness, and I remember you opening the book and like sticking your face into it to take a sniff of that's the right. pages. That's right. <laughs> what is it about writing books that brings you joy? I like clarity. I think I'm kind of, whether by temperament or whatever, like I really like bringing clarity to places where there's obscurity or where there's obfuscation or where there's confusion. <laughs> I like uh, so much clarity that it gets dangerous. And, and, be, and being able to do that around Jesus and the gospel, where there can be, you know, such confusion or distraction, uh, is, it's, it's a worthwhile thing to put my hand to. Mm. The topic of this book is uh, spiritual conversations Yes, called The Reluctant Witness, and it doesn't seem like there should be a ton of discussion around this. Christians have great news to share. We have the gospel, the message of Jesus, yet uh, the number of people who are talking about their faith is growing smaller and smaller by year. I get it. I know that sometimes these conversations are hard to have, but why do you think spiritual conversations are sometimes hard or maybe even painful for Christians to enter into with their friends and neighbors? Yeah, the, the research showed us a lot. Uh, there, there are actually a lot of reasons why people are what we in the research called reluctant conversationalists. So, mm. so a lot of us are reluctant to talk about our faith. I think there's a lot of reasons, and, and, and I say that as a, as a confessed reluctant conversationalist myself. You know, I tell plenty of embarrassing stories in the book. So it's, it's everything from times we know people don't feel equipped to talk about their faith. There are other times that our perception about the cultural environment that we're in, like we perceive that people will feel offended if we're talking about our faith. Uh, so those are a couple of the, you know, not feeling equipped, wondering if there's going to be like, you know, what people's response will be. That's part of why the cat's got our tongue these days. Well, when you say reluctant conversationalist, you're not talking about conversation in general. You're specifically talking about spiritual conversations. Could you define spiritual conversations for us, what you mean when you say that? 
Yeah, absolutely. We, so in the research, we were very careful on how we define spiritual conversations. And it's defined as any conversation with anyone where you are talking about your faith or your lack of faith. Okay, so that's a pretty low bar. Uh, and so we're not, we're not just talking about, quote unquote, evangelistic conversations where you're sharing a summary of the gospel. It's anytime you're talking about your faith. And, and that could be talking with a, a Christian. It could be talking with your spouse, your kids, your pastor. It could, it could also be talking with a non-Christian about your faith or your doubts. So it's a pretty low bar, which which is part of why the findings in the research about how many spiritual conversations we're having was so shocking. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do the stats tell us about the frequency with which people are having spiritual conversations? What it tells us is we're not having a lot of spiritual conversations. Oh. So, so let, let me drop some numbers on you and keep in mind the definition of a spiritual conversation. Right. The research told us that in the United States, three quarters of all Christians in the U.S. had nine or fewer spiritual conversations in the last year, in the last 12 Ooh. months. So that, that's like less than one every one, about one every one and a half months, we're talking mm-hmm. about our faith with anyone. anyone. 32% of Christians could only remember one or two spiritual conversations that they had in the last year. And 10%, a 10% of all Christians, so about a tithe of the church, if you will, uh, could not remember having a single spiritual conversation in the last 12 months. So we really are reluctant conversationalists. Those numbers are incredible when you think about it. Oh, yeah. To say in 12 months, I haven't, I can't recall one spiritual conversation. Yeah. Um, thinking about all the times that my kids run up to me and ask me something, we're in the car. And, yeah we talk about anything having to do with our faith or we say a prayer together, anything like that and have a conversation about it. That all counts. And uh, so many people are not having these types of conversation. Lots of reluctant witnesses, lots of reluctant conversationalists. What are some of the traits of these reluctant witnesses? Yeah, some of that, I mean, when we get to the fun part of talking about eager conversationalists, we'll we'll tell the difference. But Reluctant Mm -hmm. conversationalists, they lack these five traits that people who talk about their faith a lot um, share. And so, and and we'll get to what makes for an eager conversationalist, Mm -hmm. but the folks who are reluctant lack those characteristics, those five characteristics, uh, and they tend to have a perception that there's going to be a fence if they're talking about their faith. And and now it turns out the news isn't that bad. Uh, Non-Christians actually really like having spiritual conversations. That's a really a really fun thing we found in the research, too, that in the general population, non-Christians enjoy spiritual conversations. And so there's, there's something about reluctant conversationalists that they're kind of afraid to step in. They're, they're not stepping in because of what they perceive will happen, and often their perceptions are wrong. That's so interesting. So a lot of people aren't having the conversation. Yes because they're afraid they're going to cause offense of some sort. That's right. And yet non-Christians are saying, this is actually an enjoyable experience for me. And what about the Christians who are having the spiritual conversations? Do they report that it's uncomfortable once they've done it, or is it something that they find joy in? Yeah, great question. People who are having spiritual conversations, uh, and, and really across the board. So across the board, the top two emotions people report having experienced when they are thinking about their last spiritual conversation, are peace and Mm. joy. 
peace and joy. And who that's, doesn't want more than that? Uh, that's right. That. That's right. And, and so we actually like getting deep. And and psychologists tell us that actually like small talk mm-hmm. is more like psychologically draining. Like we don't enjoy small talk. We actually enjoy deep conversation uh, mm-hmm. when, when we actually have it. And again, it's just some of these fears, some of these perceptions, some of these habits that make people just leery to step in. And so they're depriving themselves of that joy. So far, everything you've said about spiritual conversations feels like really good news, except for the fact that we're not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So let's talk about people who are more eager to share, the eager conversationalists. So uh, when when the researchers, you know, I mentioned earlier that three quarters of Christians are having nine or fewer spiritual conversations. The other quarter of Christians are having lots of spiritual conversations, and they're really enjoying them. And so the researchers did an interesting thing. They said, do those one quarter of all Christians have anything in common with each other? Are they all left-handed, for example? Or, you know, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. all in Georgia. You know, is, is there, of all the other questions we asked them, is there anything that's statistically significant that those quarters share that is different than the reluctant conversationalists. And the fascinating thing, Rachel, is we found that they share five traits with each other uh, Mm. that they have in common with each other that reluctant conversationalists have less of. And so it tells us that there's a correlation between these five characteristics and being willing or eager Mm. to enter into more spiritual conversations. Well, I know I want to hear what they are. Yes. You share them with Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, (laughs) And we played with the language so that... As a memory tool, the five uh, characteristics spell eager, E-A-G-E-R. So the five characteristics, I'll do a blow-by, and then you can talk about whatever's interesting to you. Yeah, let's do it. Eager conversationalists embrace the gospel. That's E. They embrace the gospel. Mm -hmm. A, they apply spiritual disciplines. G, they grasp their calling as a witness. The, the second E, they expect spiritual conversations, so they're on the lookout for them. And then R is they respond confidently, and they feel equipped to respond confidently. So those are the five traits. And the good news about those, and we can talk in more detail, all five of those are things anyone can grow in. They're not things you're born with. They're characteristics that anyone can develop and mature in over time. So that's really good news. So you have these five characteristics, and I would imagine that probably they have different levels of importance in different Christians' lives, right? Mm -hmm. Some people Mm -hmm. might be very eager because they're constantly applying uh, spiritual, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. exactly. And sometimes people are just expecting to have them. And so it's probably not standard across the board for every eager conversationalist. Do, Do eager conversationalists have to be good at all of these five things? What the research tells us is that there's a correlation between these five characteristics and having more spiritual conversations. So, so there is a correlation, but no, it doesn't, you know, no one is like hit, hitting the top, Perfect in all yeah, the hit, hit, hitting the top, <laughs> but there's something about just the, your activity or involvement in these five characteristics that mm-hmm. makes you more willing to just pull up the chair and get into more of these conversations. And we even developed uh, at Lutheran Hour, given the research and what it told us about each characteristic, we developed an eager inventory where you can go oh, through. that's great. Yeah, you can go through and like take, you know, answer all these questions. There's 25 questions. And then it gives you, believe it or not, your eager score. And which basically says, you know, like in, 
embracing the gospel, I, I scored a little higher, but I'm lower in these two. And the beautiful thing about that is that anyone can say, I want to, you know, I, I, you know, the verse you read earlier, like how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Like, I want that. I want to experience that joy, but I'm fearful. What can I do? Well, this allows them to say, oh, I can develop in these two characteristics, for example. I've even had churches, I've gone to churches and they've said, they, they've had their entire congregation take the inventory. And then we, we did the math and crunched it and came up with an eager score for their congregation, which told the mm. congregation, our congregation is high here and here, we're low here and here. And then the pastors and the leaders were like, well, we know what the next sermon series is going to be about, right? Here, here right. you know, we can emphasize s- certain ones of these characteristics. Okay, let's talk about this eager conversationalist inventory that people can yes. take. When I, If I take it and I find out that um, I am just not expecting spiritual conversations, yes. I score high everywhere but there. Yes. What do I do about that? So the good news is, you know, we mind the research to say, what, what does it tell us about expecting spiritual conversations? And what do we learn about people about that? And so what we did is we developed a, a lot of next steps is one of the things that we developed. So, so, for example, if you're not expecting spiritual conversations, you could take some first steps, like keep a journal of spiritual conversations or potential conversations that, that you notice during the week. Yeah. Uh, you, you could do a random act of kindness to, for someone and see if it sparks a spiritual conversation. Or you, you could do next steps, like take a course. You know, we, we have whole courses designed mm. with tools and resources to help people grow in this way. Or, or you can just say to people in your life, I'm interested in having more spiritual conversations. Is, is anyone else interested? I, I'd love to talk about things more. So there are a lot of next steps that people can take. And again, we've developed resources, tools, mm-hmm. online courses to help people grow mm-hmm. and kind of narrow in and say, I want to grow in this one area. How do I do that? We, we've tried to get just really right. practical tools that can help people. So would you say that anyone can be an eager conversationalist? Or is that left? I am admittedly yeah. one of the world's biggest extroverts. I'll yes. talk about anything to anyone. As your friend, I can uh, witness that, to that. Yes. That's <laughs> yes. true, right? But uh, there might be people who don't feel like the biggest extroverts in the yeah. entire world and the idea of talking to somebody, especially about something so personal, can almost feel uh, can yeah. feel very vulnerable yes. and hard and might stop them. But would you say that being an eager conversationalist is left to people who are, who are more extroverted? Or that's, that's a great can everybody question. get in on the game? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> question. The research tells us that these are things that anyone can grow in. They're not a matter of temperament. They're not a matter of like you know things mm. you're born with. And I can tell you, I mean, I start the book. <laughs> by telling the relating the story of I was sitting on a Greyhound bus for 16 hours and for the first you know 14 and a half hours of the trip I didn't say a single word to the person seated next to me I mean I'm I'm a card carrying <laughs> introvert reluctant witness and so a lot of it, even part of why I relate my stories in the book these like embarrassing stories I'll just be really honest with you <laughs> is is just to share the good news that um, anyone can become an eager conversationalist, and mm-hmm. even me. And and that when when Jesus says you will be my witnesses, he wasn't saying you extroverts will be my witnesses. When yes. when when he when he said how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, he wasn't saying how beautiful the, are, are the feet of extroverts who bring good news. <laughs> that we're actually wired, even introverts, and and I can say this as a card carrying member, we're actually wired for relationship. We're wired mm-hmm. for conversation, just as humans. And as believers, with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're actually wired 
to kind of rub off on the people around us and leak good news onto the people around us. I, I think the biggest thing, Rachel, that keeps people from leaning into it more is really bad, weird, awkward models of what it means to mm-hmm. quote unquote do evangelism. And as once yeah. we lay down that false, awkward, weird stuff and say, what does it mean to actually graciously come alongside other people where they are? That's something all of us want to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I, I was thinking as you were talking about temperament is that there are probably a lot of people out there who are wanting to have a spiritual conversation who may not be, I might not be the right person to have that conversation with them, right? They might be better matched with somebody of a different temperament or somebody who's thinking about something from a different direction. Not that I shy away from having the conversation, but as more of an encouragement that what I bring to the table is exactly what somebody else is, That's is great. needing. That's great. Right now. And, and, and Rach, the, the research does tell us that for new believers, for the average new believer, it was several spiritual conversations, usually with mm. multiple different people, that God used to get them where they are. And so that, you know, I think we carry this false duty that, you know, by the time the plane lands, I got to, you know, get this person across the line. And that's, that's actually not right. the case. And recognizing, I want to do my part, you know, that, that, that God says, be prepared, mm-hmm. you know, be prepared with yeah. an answer and, and do it with gentleness and respect. And so how do I, with gentleness and respect, relate with the person uh, who's next to me for what God has for right now? God's the author of salvation. I'm not. And mm-hmm. so it kind of frees us up and allows us to have the humility that you just said, like, I'll do my part. Other people are going to do their part. And I can't force mm-hmm. it, but God does use yeah. our imperfect spiritual conversations to do a perfect, beautiful thing in the lives of others. Right. And we've kind of highlighted some spiritual conversations, maybe with strangers, somebody you're sitting next to on a bus or somebody on a plane or Mm -hmm. the random person in the grocery store line, even though, uh, you know, you might not, you might just say a couple words to them or whatnot, but spiritual conversations aren't just something we can be having with the strangers we want run into along the way. There are things that we can be having with our close friends and family as well. That, that's right. In fact, one of the tools we developed is the spiritual conversation curve, which is like a model mm-hmm. to help people respond confidently and to feel equipped. And that model tells us that, and, and it's based again on research and sound biblical theology and all that, that gaining a hearing and building trust uh, is the prerequisite that that the gospel wants to be shared in the light, in the warm light of friendship. Like that's, that's Mm. the ideal. And can God use chance encounters with strangers? Sure. He can do whatever he wants, but more often than not, it's going to be a conversation with someone, you know, and trust non-Christians. When we were asked, who who do you want to have spiritual conversations with? Pastors, so people like me, like professionals, we were way down on their list. <laughs> they don't yeah. want to talk with a professional. They want to talk with a friend. That's the top of the mm-hmm. list. They want to talk with friends. So talking with friends, developing relation, genuine relationships with non-Christians is a really key, important part of being an eager conversationalist. Oh, that's really beautiful. Well, I've read your book, The Reluctant mm-hmm. Witness. It's great. I very much enjoyed it. It was fun to hear your voice come through those pages uh, intermingled with this research. The research is incredible. You have said multiple times today that you're a reluctant witness, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to imagine. <laughs> uh, but tell us a little bit about what uh, we find in the pages of the book. How do you take your personal stories and help people find 
a path towards eager conversations? Yeah, basically, you know, it's like embarrassing honesty about my own journeys <laughs> and, my, and my own reluctance. And, and the thing that we find, Rachel, when, when we look at what the research revealed that, hey, conversations happen when you're embracing the gospel and, and you're believing what the Bible teaches about sin and hell and all that, and when you're applying spiritual disciplines and when you're grasping your calling, etc. The perhaps not surprising thing is that we are actually called to all those things in Scripture. So, so really the research is just confirming like, yeah, those are really healthy, good things. And so, yeah. so in the pages of the book is kind of my own uh, missteps uh, and learning along the way, uh, my own wrestling with the call to be doing these things that we find in Scripture, and then also these things along the way and how God, you know, uses even silly things that I've done and imperfect <laughs> things and, and does amazing things with them. And, and Rachel, that actually gives me great hope and great confidence to call other people to, and, and just say, try it. Like get involved, yeah. like jump in the water. The water looks cold and you're like, oh, it's going to be terrible. And, you know, and, and the water's fine. The water's wonderful. And so that's my, in the pages of the, uh, of the book is me sort of uh, sharing my own trepidation of diving into the waters, of having more conversations and then how fun it's been. And then it's just me saying, come on, y'all. This is, this is what we're made for. It's our birthright as Christians and it's really enjoyable and actually the non-Christians in your life want it. I love the humility and, and the vulnerability that it takes to share some of those um, those stories that might feel a little bit embarrassing. Or, yeah. uh, But I love that through imperfect situations, that God is still active and that it's, it's all a part of the journey, that the conversations that we have don't have to be perfectly no. worded or, no. or perfectly planned out that we can have these conversations and that they're, uh, that God can work in and through those That's as right. well. That's right. Yeah. We want to be eager. We want to share mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. We want to build relationships and plant those seeds of faith. But sometimes we might get tongue-tied. Yeah. What wisdom would you give to someone listening to help them find the way to become more comfortable and feel better equipped and yeah. intentional in the conversations that they're having about faith? Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, the, I mean, the best thing I've come across is this spiritual conversation curve model that we yeah. have, which mm-hmm. the, the R of eager, that final <laughs> fifth uh, attribute of eager conversationalists, is that they respond confidently and that they feel at least moderately equipped <laughs> to do so. And so they have some kind of sense of how to engage in conversations. So the curve is just a simple model based on biblical theology, based on the research that that can help us do, you know, Paul said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time, right? Walk in wisdom. Uh, he didn't say if you're around a non-Christian, you know, burp out a summary of the gospel, whether it's appropriate in the conversation or not. <laughs> Paul said, walk in wisdom as if we can be wise and thoughtful and use our noggins to figure out the best way to engage people. So the curve is a simple model that I use in my own life. It's so simple that I, it, like I've memorized it on accident. And so yeah. I, I like, I'm able to reference it when I'm in conversations with people. It's just to help us when we're feeling tongue tied or like, should I burp out a summary of the gospel right now? Like, what, what should I be doing? <laughs> and it helps us go. It's, it's really a, a tool to help you empathize with other people and where are they in their journey and what's going to be most helpful for where they are. So that model, I would say, man, you know, for, for people just to check it out and, and, yeah. uh, and it's real easy learning curve. 
uh, to, to be able to access it and start using it in your own life. I love how you said you accidentally memorized it. I did. Because it's yeah. that simple. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Have to try. I think we could all use more simple ways to uh, to make these things second nature yeah. almost. Yeah, I think of it as portable wisdom. It's portable. It travels around in your head with you. You don't have to refer to notes or anything like that. Yeah, that's great. Maybe, maybe picking up a copy of The Reluctant Witness and paging through that and hearing your stories and seeing how the research really comes to bear in the lives of Christians everywhere. And Don, if somebody wanted to pick up a copy of your book, Mm -hmm. Where could they go to find that? I, th- I think the best place for people to go, so on Lutheran Hour Ministries' website, we have a page, mm-hmm. it's LHM for Lutheran Hour Ministries, lhm.org slash conversations. And, and then go right there and you can find out about the book, you can find out about the research, the, the curve that I've been talking about, free online courses that we develop based on this research that people could use personally or for their small group or for their congregation, all kinds of resources. So lhm.org slash conversations. Well, Don, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. It's such a joy to get to work with you, um, but also to be on the receiving end of the work that you've done to get to read your words and to get to learn from the research and to get to grow in our faith and in our ability to have spiritual conversations. So thanks for stopping by and sharing some of your experience and wisdom with us today here on Action and Ministry. Well, it's great to be with you. It's been great to learn about from your expertise about digital spiritual conversations. <laughs> People can learn about those on that same page, but good, yeah. good to think alongside you in these things. Oh, thanks, Don. Your feet, my feet, are they beautiful? I don't mean are your toes nicely manicured, but are you bringing good news to those you encounter day to day? Yes, it can be a scary proposition. I get that. People get offended. Maybe they're not interested. Maybe you have an awkward moment, but maybe you get to take someone one step closer to Jesus. Maybe God uses you to share the good news of the gospel with someone searching for hope. That is exciting. It's delightful. And it gives us great reason to be an eager spiritual conversationalist. That's Action and Ministry. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Legutte. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.